0: Persuasion in the Public Mind, I'm Mark Bourdine. Today we're going to spend some time exploring the ways culture and persuasion intersect. First, persuaders use cultural beliefs, values, and behaviors to identify with their audience members who may share the same beliefs, values, and behaviors. Persuaders also seek to shape culture by communicating values and beliefs of the dominant group through media or cultural practices. Tim Borchers, author of Persuasion in the Media Age, is here to help sort through the various issues associated with persuasion and culture. For starters, just so we're all on the same page, let's define what is meant by culture and popular culture.
1: Culture typically refers to the meanings that are created in a society as well as the products of that process. So it's how we learn from other people what we should believe, what we should value. It includes um, traditions. It includes different ways of of doing things. And it varies based on uh, differing uh, groups of people around the country. You might even have different cultural groups within, within cities, but definitely uh, when you look across the world, we have many different cultures and, and those cultures have very different ways of doing things. Popular culture is a subset of that, and that's a, a culture that's produced to make a profit, essentially. So it includes things like television shows, uh, movies, things like that are cultural products that, that we would consider to be popular culture.
0: It seems clear that cultures have specific beliefs and values, so to better understand how persuaders influence or shape culture, I imagine it would be good to explore the nature of beliefs and values. How would you define those terms? A belief
1: is is a statement that we have about what's true or false in the world, and a value would be a statement about what's right or wrong. And like you said, Persuaders both define culture and they, they use culture uh, as a persuasive tool, so that is they understand what a culture's beliefs and values are, and then they use those beliefs and values as they try to persuade people within that culture, but then at a, at a deeper level, they often seek to influence what those beliefs and values are so that those work to their advantage.
0: Okay, so cultural beliefs lead to cultural values and finally to a certain set of behaviors based on those beliefs and values. Since we are most familiar with American culture, let's delve into that a little more. There has been a fair amount of research concerning the historical forces that have shaped our cultural beliefs. Key beliefs, values, and behaviors have been identified. What are the most important takeaways from that research?
1: Some of the takeaways would be that our culture through through the persuasive process through enculturation and just through years of, of living together with with people have, have really developed some some key beliefs and values. Some of those if, if you think about they, they seem at face value to be very um, like you wouldn't question them, but I think it's important that we that we recognize that we should question these, and that they have been developed through the persuasive process. So, there are some researchers who have developed some some primary beliefs in in our culture that uh, people must benefit from their work, that manual work is respectable, that everyone must work, and so really we have a whole set of, of beliefs and values around work, and that may or may not be shared by everyone in our culture. But I think if you if you look at some of the debates about uh, welfare policy in our country you hear that there's a pretty loud voice that says people people should work, and that work is pretty valuable. Uh, we also have the belief in the American dream, for instance. That's probably the most fundamental of our beliefs that's been developed through this process, and that's this idea that if people work hard enough, they can achieve um, home ownership, they can achieve being able to afford to send their kids to college, uh, they can achieve quite a bit just through their own, their own hard work and effort. So th- those would be a couple of examples, I think, of some really key beliefs and values that have been creating created through our persuasive process. And I think it's pretty easy to see that persuaders can, can capitalize from these core values and beliefs. The American dream, for instance, is, is one that uh, gets us to make a lot of choices and a lot of decisions about how we spend our money, about whether we go to college or not. Um, so persuaders can certainly take advantage of that. In political debates, uh, some of these key beliefs are, like I mentioned with uh, with the welfare debate over what our welfare system should look like, persuaders are, are really able to kind of wrap themselves in some of these key beliefs to support the point that they're trying to make. So whether it's political candidates or, or politicians, lawmakers, or whether it's advertisers, If they can really tap into uh, what some of the fundamental beliefs are in in a culture, they're able to be pretty successful sometimes.
0: Something you point out in your book that's important to talk about is the idea that persuaders can exploit the ambiguities in a culture's visual and verbal symbols. Give us an example of how that works. Because words or visual symbols don't have direct meaning, they
1: take on meaning through through the persuasive process they take on meaning as they're used within a culture and so sometimes they have they come to have different meanings uh, depending on your viewpoint in a culture I think a really good example of that is political correctness um, while political correctness to some people means uh, treating people fairly uh, not saying things that would be offensive to a group of people for for other people political correctness is, has become almost an evil term and something that should be avoided and you you often hear people uh, um, say that they're that they're politically incorrect. There's a television show on, on that. Sure. Uh, you hear some politicians uh, being proud of the fact that they're not politically correct. So that, I think, would be a pretty good example of a, of a term that's uh, relatively ambiguous in its meaning, but it's a term that takes on very different meanings for different people. And there have actually been uh, quite a few conflicts over that term, and, and we see some of the some of the implications of how that term is used in in our culture playing out in, in, in some of the news that we see these days.
0: What about the concept of doublespeak?
1: Well double speak is a is a term that was coined by William Lutz and it, it really means uh pretending to communicate something but it but it really doesn't. So some of his favorite examples would be like a revenue enhancement that the governor or that the government imposes, which is just a different way of saying a tax. Mm-hmm. So it's it's using it's using terms to obfuscate or to confuse audiences uh because it it's it's something that that, that means the same thing as as what they don't want to say.
0: We also need to talk about some of the ways cultural beliefs, values, and norms are maintained or transformed. Let's start with the concept of hegemony and the idea that we can be persuaded by culture, even though we're not aware of it. And that's exactly what hegemony is. It's the, it's the domination of
1: culture by one group uh, because it disempowers others, but they, they give up, th- those who are disempowered, they, they kind of give up their, their power to become part of the cultural group. So, um, you know, think about kids who want to dress like other kids in school. They don't realize that they're being influenced or persuaded by some of the trendsetters in the school when they, you know, demand of their parents to wear certain kinds of clothing. That's probably a pretty a simple example. Uh, a lot of other examples um, really in some of the research look at look at how that plays out for different cultural groups, uh, really looks at how the messages of, of some groups help um, other groups to identify with that message, even if it might not be to their advantage to do so. There's kind of a, a funny commercial that's out there that, that shows someone riding on a lawnmower on a nice big lawn, and he's laughing about being in debt. Well, that's a good example, I think, of how we how we give up our, our financial freedom to take on products and services and experiences that we probably can't afford, but we charge them because we think we need to have them in order to stay current with our with our culture.
0: Give me an example of how one group could maintain some type of dominance over another reinforced by media. One example of this
1: is is patriarchy, and that's the oppressive structure in society that privileges the beliefs, values and practices of men and it's it's something that some men probably consciously try to impose on women but it's also something where where women are often uh, feel like they believe the same things that that the patriarchy believes so they buy certain products, they think they should act in a certain way, uh, and that's something that, that actually feeds uh, what the, the male-dominated culture has imposed on them. There's a considerable discussion and considerable backlash about um, what those things might mean and, and whether that is a, a subject of patriarchy or whether it is women exercising their own uh, power and their own ideology. Uh, but there's a, a great deal of literature that that suggests a, a lot of actions that that women take are, are actually uh, counter to their um, freedom, counter to their ability to create their own culture because they are being oppressed by a by a patriarchal society.
0: Well, on a, on a different level, you uh, write that economic and marketing forces are transforming culture. And you specifically identify consumer culture and multiculturalism as examples. Um, how is cultural transformation taking place with regard to these examples?
1: Consumer culture is really the um, when advertisers preach the the culture of consumption. They try to get us to buy more, do more, be more, and they're they're really trying to get us to, to buy their products so that they can continue to sell their products. So we often, um, our standards of beauty, for instance, have been uh, set up by advertisers who are just trying to sell deodorant or hairspray or, or different things to help people feel pretty, to help them feel like they need to do those things in order to fit into the culture. So it's, it's really a vicious circle when you get into consumer culture because it's just the, the more the more the advertisers are telling us that that we need to buy, the more we end up buying, and it becomes a, a pretty vicious cycle. There are a lot of groups that are that are trying to break that cycle the The Occupy Wall Street movement was one that that challenged the status quo on on some of these issues. Uh, you see some protests occasionally about uh, trying to you know um, protests against certain advertisers or against certain big companies because they're becoming too powerful or because they're making people do things that they wouldn't do otherwise. So that's where you see some of the cultural transformation trying to take place where groups are trying to present counter messages to some of the consumerism messages that we see quite a bit. Multiculturalism is, is this idea that, that our culture really isn't monolithic. We have many different cultures in our society, and those uh, cultural differences, we're, we're seeing them play out every day in, in the news media. And they are really differences about beliefs. or are differences about values and behaviors. Um, one, of the, one, of, one of the main um, differences that often comes up in people of different cultures is the concept of masculinity. In, in our culture, we tend to privilege masculinity, uh, we tend to, you know, um, privilege things like strength, um, achievement, but in other cultures, they might stress more uh, important values such as service or interdependence or intuition. Those would be more feminist uh, values. And so you can see how, how those different things are, are really playing out politically. They're playing out in, in our advertising. They're playing out in, in a variety of different different ways. So multiculturalism just recognizes that we have groups with different values, beliefs in our culture and that we're working through those those differences to arrive at some kind of a um, an idealized future state for, for our culture.
0: Tim writes that culture is not fixed or permanent, but constantly changing and adapting in response to the needs and values of its members. Persuaders play an important role in shaping how cultures maintain and transform their beliefs, values, and practices. Many thanks to Tim Borchers and to you for listening. Don't forget to check out the resources on this topic listed under the episode description. Persuasion in the Public Mind is available on most major podcast platforms and, as always, at anchor.fm forward slash persuasion. See you next time.